Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. You're listening to Pod Me If You Can. This is Pod Me If You Can. Movie reviews by David and Lloyd. An Australian podcast on your favorite movies. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And Lloyd and I have just gotten back from midnight screenings of X-Men Apocalypse. So heads up, spoilers, we've seen the film, you might not have. If you don't mind, carry on. Uh, Lloyd, you're a big fan of Apocalypse as a villain, aren't you? Yeah, he's probably my... Yeah, he is my favourite um, X-Men villain. Probably one of my f- most favourite uh, comic book villains of all time. It pains me to ask them, what did you think of uh, X-Men Apocalypse? He was... Oscar Isaac, who plays um, Apocalypse, is fantastic. The voice is fantastic. I love what they did with the detail of his suit. They delved into the history of Apocalypse, which was amazing. Uh, He was just so squandered um, through the second and third act. It got a bit too crowded throughout the whole film, and he just didn't become a threat at all. Like, everyone just joined forces, taking him out, and no one really dies like havoc dies but he wasn't really given a moment personally i think they just gave him like a marvel death like he didn't actually die he he can come back you know just so they've got that um ability to bring him back in another storyline if they want to and i'm just a bit uh, really disappointed because if you got a character as strong as apocalypse everyone like so many people should die it should be like an army of mutants trying to stop him they're just dying like uh by by, like waves and waves of them are just dying as they uh try to combat him but I, i just didn't get that overall this film really reminded me of uh the avengers age of ultron because Ultron was like ultimately this really powerful villain who was threatening to, I believe, take over all the technology, you know, be everywhere at once. In the same kind of way that Apocalypse wants to use Xavier in this film to it's be a everywhere great at comparison. Once. Great comparison. And I think I had the problem with Ultron when I watched Age of Ultron. My issue was that it felt like a kind of a bottle episode, that nothing really happened. And that the villain was beaten in this individual film and it sort of it brought a new few new faces to the avengers just as this has brought a few new faces to the x-men but it just feels like people are moving on a board you know uh, i'll give you an example jean early on when she has the dream jean gray she says she's afraid someday she's going to hurt someone and she says she sees fire in her dreams so i mean we know jean becomes the phoenix in the future kind but of they did that films. in the third one the third one's always the worst one <laughs> that's what they say yeah they come out of return of the jedi and they they immediately diss uh, the last stand which was great um so you sort of it, it, i was expecting at that point that she would become the phoenix age of ultron at least had a death of quicksilver which was slowed down and interestingly enough we pointed that out in the podcast that Ultron took uh, hijacked a ship and shot him with bullets and not even his own powers could kill one of the Avengers you know which was just such a plot hole um <laughs> but at least Quicksilver was given there was pause given to Quicksilver's death 
but you're right. I, Ultron was not a threat in Age of Ultron. Everyone just had a field day killing armies and armies of robots. And unfortunately, with Age of Apocalypse, I just felt the same. I love Brian Singer. I think he's a great director. A few missteps in his filmography, mainly, of course, Superman. Um, the returns which I thought was just absolutely horrible Jack and the Giant Slayer just went on for way too long but he is an incredible talent I love X-Men 2 and Days of Future Past I probably put Days of Future Past just a little bit above it um, that, that's still probably my most favorite X-Men and I really thought um, Apocalypse was going to be it was going to be the definitive like all of it co- colliding together to, to this epic epic story and it just wasn't well, this is the problem. I mean, we're following Days of Future Past, which I watched just before going to the midnight screening. And so I suppose it's like listening to a really great album. Then there's the pressure on the band or the crew in this case to make an equally good album or a better album, you know, uh, with X-Men Apocalypse here. And it's worse. It's like that band going, we got like the best um, guitarist guest starring in this as well. You know, X-Men has a legendary villain, Apocalypse, with so many stories they can draw for, draw from you know and i'm specifically um referring to i think it was called age of apocalypse the the graphic novel which you've read of course dave i, I could be saying it wrong it's where the world it, it's in a um para, a different universe where apocalypse has ruled the world um mm. it's one of the greatest story one of the greatest comic books i've ever read i, I love it to death and you know you just at the end of that you're just like oh my gosh this is amazing and I, i'm not saying i wanted that in x-men apocalypse but I wanted that kind of epicness to it like that that kind of wow this is the villain it's got to be this massive massive showdown which it was just you know he wasn't a threat I mean yeah it just felt like everyone attacked him at once at the end you know and I always feel like I'm surprised Captain Planet didn't pop out you know to (laughs) join in you know just chuck in everyone Mickey Mouse Donald whatever you know just like come on guys Mm. I always feel in those scenarios that Beast is a bit useless and that Mystique, like, for me, Mystique, she's got fighting skills. She's shown them off in previous films. But as soon as she reveals that she is Mystique, I feel like... What are you going to do, ninja kick him? <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. She's not that powerful either. So, for me, Magneto's a fascinating character. And you've mentioned that it's like Shakespeare when you get James McAvoy. What's his name? Uh, Michael Fassbender together. For Magneto to have this whole new life and a daughter, I was fascinated, you know. And initially I was like, oh, he's got a daughter. Is that going to be Scarlet Witch, you know? Because Scarlet Witch, played by Elizabeth Olsen, is the twin of um, Quicksilver. You know, they're both technically Magneto's children, even though they're not acknowledged as such in the Marvel Universe. How confusing must that be for people who are not familiar with the comic books or who are not familiar with the business? side of things just like but they never refer to him as quicksilver though so that's true he's um what is he peter maximoff so i was thinking initially oh maybe they're doing something different where they introduce this other child as this other mutant and maybe you know in this telling of x-men they're not twins so i was trying to figure out who nina this daughter was up until the point where she was controlling animals and then of course magneto sees his family murdered in front of him that was a really bad sequence um like it's awful what happened but i I just thought the the um mechanic of the arrow misfiring and going into them i think it should have been a different weapon somehow but i i just can't think of one that one that magneto could stop because obviously an arrow made of wood he couldn't stop but 
specifically when Michael Fassbender started yelling, "Is this what you want?" That was such a huge misstep in the dra- in the drama of it, like like the direction of it. It's just like, who are you screaming to, God? Like, obviously, he's, uh, that's in reference to the existential crisis he has. Meeting Apocalypse is a god. Maybe that's the god he follows. But I, I don't know if. Um, uh, Brian Singer was going in the, that direction. It would have been so much more powerful just to have Michael Fassbender crying over his dead family, and then uh, him screaming it out. Is this what you want? It was just such a huge misstep. I agree. And for me, what bothered me most about that scene, um, besides the fact that people were murdered, was that um, the acting of the guards as yeah. they were collapsing. Yeah, I was like, because Michael Fassbender's so good these actors are so bad i was like no that that that's a great point yeah he completely overstaged them and it's not fassbender's fault it's the fault of casting actors just not on his level and plus they could have yeah out of focus in the background or something they would have been just as effective if they just collapsed i I completely agree yeah if you don't yeah out of that's a perfect um yeah perfect idea great framing that that would be awesome um and they could have pushed out a little more how Mike, I love it how Magneto's trying to escape. He's starting this life. He's got friends at the factory and all those cop guys. He's like, I had dinner um, at your house. You know, they could have pushed that a little bit more. Um, wasn't enough of that. And um, when he kills them off, it's just so, you know, like, yeah, whatever. You know, <laughs> when um, he goes back to the factory uh, to murder everybody, you know, seals them in. And he says to them, you know, think about the people you love. They're about to lose someone they love. And Apocalypse turns up and he just basically makes everybody sink into the ground. I don't know where that power was in the third act because all these people were attacking him. Couldn't he just make them sink into the ground? Yeah, that that's uh, the great thing about uh, Apocalypse is the ambiguity of his powers. Like, uh, like I, I never knew the backstory of Apocalypse. I'm such a huge fan that he was this... Uh, I knew he was a part of the Egyptian mythology, but I didn't know he gained people's mutants' powers, like, over and over again. Like, so he, it's, it's unknown the quantity is just completely unknown how much power he has and that's such always a dangerous step with apocalypse like okay he is a god and once he has xavier's power literally he is god he can go inside anyone and take away free will effectively um and all that but yeah it's such a dangerous territory you just you're just working the plot into all these plot holes (laughs) once you start introducing a character as powerful as uh, uh apocalypse I want to talk about his four horsemen for a second. Which one? The one at the very beginning, like um, when oh, he's all in four Egypt. of them. Okay, all four of them. Uh, all um, four of them. The present one, uh, Magneto. The present day ones. Yep. Yeah, the the pr- past tense ones. I mean, they don't survive very long. They looked interesting, but ultimately they're just background. Uh, the new ones, which he um, accumulates, for me it was annoying because he seemed to recruit the first mutants he met. He sees Storm. Storm is quite powerful. He recruits her immediately. Then he meets Psylocke, and he's like, cool, I'll recruit you too. By the way, what a stunner. I loved it from Broadcast News or whatever the one um, uh, the writer of uh, Social Network has made. Um, uh, it's not called Broadcast News, but the chick in it, she, she's just so distractingly beautiful. Like, I just kept, my, my eyes just kept shifting over to Psylocke, even if she was in just... In the newsroom? Po- the newsroom, sorry. Newsroom? Yeah, she's fantastic in the newsroom. I can't remember her character's name. But the well, person Olivia Munn plays Psylocke. Yeah, um, she she plays a great one. character in the newsroom. 
um, and she's just absolutely stunning as Psylocke, and I've always loved Psylocke, ever since I was a kid I read her in comics, like, how could you not? She's this absolutely beautiful girl, <laughs> and the, the dress she has to wear, she's so brave, and every time she was just on screen, like, my eyes just kept shifting towards her, <laughs> it's just so distracting. She was here for eye candy, Lloyd, I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie to you. Um, in the comics, I vaguely remember that she had a relationship with Angel, Though that didn't seem to come across in the film at all. There was just a little bit when they recruit Angel. Like, um, it looks like there was a little bit of a pass there, but not even touched on. Mm. And, I mean, they recruit Angel based on nothing. The fact that he's the closest mutant. And, and he then- was such an important character in, in the comic books. Like, he is death. Like, um, Apocalypse's grand general. And I understand if, okay, if Magneto's going to join the four horsemen, obviously you're going to make Magneto the captain. But, yeah, just a little bit more fleshing out. Like, I li- we all got that that was Storm, the first recruit. And she's a bit, you know, uh, fragile with her allegiance, obviously, because she follows Mystique and she admires her. And Storm's actually a good person but um, really shifts her backstory quite a bit. For me, in that final sequence with Storm, I was just waiting for her to flip sides. The same way I was just waiting for Magneto to change sides. I thought Psylocke was going to do it as well. Yeah, I mean, I sort of thought Psylocke would live. I felt like they were setting up this cool character to bring her back in Deadpool or something else, you know. And um, Warren, uh, sorry, uh, Archangel definitely, yeah, he definitely dies, doesn't he, in that plane crash? It looks like it, yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming he's dead. Yeah, which is another interesting way to sort of get rid of a character. It's kind of a smaller death, and that's okay. Look, I think they did okay with Nightcrawler. I think comically he was great. Uh, He was familiar, like the Nightcrawler we knew from X-Men 2. I love it how they give him the the thriller jacket as well. That was fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, and he was was fun. Um, He's an Aussie actor, Cody Smith-McPhee who plays him and um he did a good job and the one thing i i wondered if they would touch on though was the fact that mystique is his mother did you know that lloyd no i didn't so mystique is uh nightcrawler's mother they sort of never really did any kind of acknowledgement throughout the film the father was uh, azazel who was the red uh, Jason Fleming played him in X-Men First Class. He was like a devil-looking bad guy. So theoretically, from First Class, uh, Mystique became pregnant and then at some point, you know, delivered and gave up this baby because we've jumped from, uh, what was First Class, 1960-something? Yeah, the 62? Cuban Missile Crisis, yep. Yeah, and now X-Men Apocalypse is 1983. So, you know, it sort of creates the 20-something years required for um, Nightcrawler to to be around it's complicated though because nobody's aged in 23 years (laughs) um if you really sort of think about it try not to think about it too much um james mcavoy all right professor xavier from the beginning i was like what accent is he doing what is this it sounds so familiar and it took me a little while to realize he sounds exactly like ewan mcgregor when he was playing obi-wan kenobi (laughs) doesn't sound quite right <laughs> and i mean it doesn't sound like patrick stewart's xavier anyway but um did you enjoy the fact that magneto could sort of control the earth i mean they over explained it with those soldiers in the bunker yeah I th- i'm assuming all the powers were amplified amplified because of apocalypse um he was able to amplify i don't know what psylocke got i guess a 
her sword got longer, I don't know. Um, her psionic sword, whatever the hell that's called. And uh, Storm, I guess her lightning is stronger. I'm, I'm not too sure there. But obviously with uh, Magneto, I don't know if it's a case of uh, Apocalypse is going, no, you've always had this power within you, you just got to believe. Or if it's a case that Apocalypse can actually amplify all their mutant powers. Mm. Well, I mean, he amplifies Xavier's with um, being able to send a message to everyone in the world at once, which is interesting. With but, um, um, Magneto, did you think the switch to Apocalypse was just too fast? You just didn't believe it? Like, obviously, Apocalypse came at a very vulnerable time. Um, d- d- did you believe that switch? I would have probably enjoyed uh, more scenes where he was either conflicted or being convinced, I suppose. Apocalypse just seemed to speak in big monologues, which is kind of like what Ultron did, uh, where he's got this kind of booming, recognisable voice and... Um, yeah, I don't know. His bark was worse than his bite, I suppose, with Apocalypse. Yeah. He just seemed like a zombie after his uh, family died and he was just going through the motions, you know, which I like that idea, but I probably just sideline Magneto, just have him as a guy who just, like, they come to him for help and he just won't do it. Uh, because of what happened to his family he's just given up he's just a shell and then you know apocalypse has recruited these other four guys have a um archangel as the you know as this really powerful as his main horseman death you know and um maybe they should have went that route but uh, i just felt he was just too um sidelined and then at the end when he comes in i'd like um he puts that x to protect them of metal and he starts attacking i had somebody clap in my cinema that's like the scene started cheering i was like okay yeah it's working for some people Uh, what do you think of um the visual uh, cue of the x first of all i mean (laughs) it's so subtle (laughs) what do you think of rose burner coming back like uh, did was was that explained um in first class i can't remember that he did in fact wipe her mind uh well i guess it was after after the fact he wiped her mind because he wiped everybody's mind it was never confirmed what oh, happened yeah, in cuba sure. so i guess Th- nobody wasn't that a touching scene he kisses her and then a tear rolls down her eye oh she's a great actress Rose oh Byrne. my gosh yeah i think the only misstep she she was in when we since we've been doing these podcasts has been um neighbors and like like bad neighbors it's it's not a case that she was bad in it it's, it's not just obvious she her acting style wasn't comfortable with the um you know uh improv of the the comedian actors that were involved in bad neighbors but i, I love rose Byrne. beautiful absolutely beautiful girl for me, uh, she was on the ship, and I kept thinking of um, Amy Adams as Lois Lane in Man of Steel. <laughs> I was like, what is she doing on the ship? Is she flying the ship? I mean, Beast is flying the ship. What's she doing there? And yeah, she's, she's got a pilot license, um, Dave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she's a good secondary pilot <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, or something. I mean, I just kept thinking, what is she doing here? Like, she's put herself in danger. Anyway. It, it's weird how she first... She's... Uh, obviously a cia agent or interested in archaeology or something she takes out a guard that's guarding apocalypse's tomb and then she goes into the um tomb you know i just thought oh man could she wait for the guard to disappear i just couldn't believe that uh, moira mctaggart could take out a guard you know that was just a uh, it was a bit rocky right from the beginning this movie for me i mean i i found it difficult to believe she was working alone as well like she didn't radio in or yeah yeah she, she was just by herself a very attractive woman vulnerable in you know the 80s um 
Cairo, Egypt. I'm not saying it's a dangerous period, but you know, it's you're going up against this cult. Wouldn't you <laughs> want some bodyguards or something? Uh, I just want to talk quickly about the very beginning of the film where we see uh, Apocalypse's kingdom in Egypt or in ancient Egypt. I love it how the guards, uh, obviously uh, some rebels there of the false god, they start. Um, hammering away at these uh pillars that are keeping these rocks um there and all, all the rocks start sliding in obviously encasing apocalypse inside um uh the pyramid um like for for a long period of time that reminded me so much of a howard hawks movie called land of the pharaohs where like all these um things are in place and they remove all these boulders and everything and all this sand starts falling and all these other boulders and things moving in encasing everyone inside the pyramid that was really cool um and i love it how briefly you see the last of apocalypse's horsemen guarding him loyally um before they're all um uh, before they all die inside the tomb that was really fantastic and what followed was that incredible credit sequence and that's uh, i saw this in 3d and that's one of the best 3d experiences i've ever had like everything it was just a full-on assault on the senses like every bit of title every bit of credits all the history that we're going through was just a, a assaulting myself I was like wow this is amazing <laughs> So that didn't really play in 2D, so I'm glad that there was a purpose to it. <laughs> yeah, this is actually shot in 3D. Uh, Brian Singh has been working a lot with it um, over the years, and th- it, this film looked fantastic in 3D, really, really well done. Better than, Much better than when we saw uh, Batman uh, vs. Su- Superman. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I concur. Yeah, that was painful. One thing they did bring back from Days of Future Past that everybody in my cinema loved was the Quicksilver slow motion sequence. This time it was uh, to Sweet Dreams. And look, he flies through the Xavier School as it's exploding, saving everybody, except Havoc, as we learn. And uh, there's no real animosity that he's forgotten to save Havoc. But... um, yeah, he, he zips through the place, and I mean, did your cinema enjoy that as well? Oh, I loved it. I was laughing so hard to notice anyone else laughing. I, I thought he stole the show once again. <laughs> it's all the subtle little things he does along the way, like when he takes a drink of a drink or he saves the dog, you know. There's a lot of, yeah, kind yeah. of comedic moments. Uh, and uh, I love the shot, like the bee is just pausing, and you knew what was going to happen. You see his feet come in, and then he stops looking at the car, driving in with Scott Summers, Gene, and Nightcrawler in the car. They're all having fun and that from that moment you're like all right let's shift gears a bit here guys you know it's just fantastic well great build up um to that scene it was incredible and so many kind of awkward um students like going for their (laughs) first kiss or whatever (laughs) and then of course we get the return of william striker probably going to be heavily involved in wolverine 3 you know he captures them we get this fantastic cameo lloyd weapon x is on the loose and i mean this whole sequence told me what wolverine was going to be wolverine 3 the fact that he now has the metal claws they've experimented on him he's lost part of his memory he's more animal than man and uh then it takes gene kind of stopping and touching his hand and returning some of his memories to him what do you think wolverine 3 is going to be like oh i hope it's going to be better than uh, wolverine 1 and 2 because I, yeah. I didn't like I didn't like those like uh, the Japan one was okay but it just went by the numbers for me um, but yeah I, I can't wait I'm, I'm looking forward to it I, I love Hugh Jackman he's the most perfect Wolverine um, like I pay out those movies but uh, there's nothing against Hugh Jackman he's, I think he's fantastic 
And this whole sequence was really good where he's whipping people around and, like, there's blood. But it's still uh, keeping the rating down in this one. Yeah, um, I love the device of it. Like, it was just a case, like, oh, we need to get our friends out. What should we do? And they just let out a, a beast that that um in the lab so to speak that the uh, the uh the security team can't hold down and that gives them the ability to free their friends uh, he was just a device he wasn't a big focal point so that, that was really really well handled and that helmet was good too uh just kind of a subtle you know they've been experimenting on him he, he should have reference. had more hair and stuff like that because wolverine's a really hairy guy but if you're going to cast someone as beautiful as hugh jackman so to speak <laughs> you're not going to hide him in in hair because i've read those wolverine origin stories and he's just this hairy beast like literally a beast with claws you know like and and he comes out of the cage in this i'm like wow he's a very beautiful man <laughs> i think it definitely sets up and i mean we'll talk about the post-credit sequence too I think it definitely sets up for Wolverine 3. Do, and that, do you think there was too many setups in this movie? like um, For Wolverine? or uh, Well, just for other movies. Like uh, like you talked about the Dark Phoenix, um, how they're foreshadowing that a little bit. Obviously, Wolverine. And then there's, there's just these... Uh, I don't know. It's just like they should have focused everything on Apocalypse rather than building up all these setups. I can't think of other examples. Like, probably my biggest... Uh, complaint is just Quicksilver not telling Magneto I'm his son because aren't you going to tell him oh, someday and you're like oh come on this is Apocalypse guys this is the most dangerous villain in the in the X-Men universe like one of the most dangerous villains top three top two maybe this is the definitive moment where everyone should reveal the darkest bits of their past but you know it just felt like everything was a setup for um, X-Men 7, 4, 7, 8 and 9 <laughs> whatever I mean, you, can, <laughs> you can't have you can't have um magneto join the x-men at the end i suppose but if quicksilver had told him that he was his son then i guess he would have he would have stuck around because he's lost his family he wants another family he's, he's got family in quicksilver so we're going to keep calling him quicksilver even if he's um peter maximoff but um i suppose by not telling him you don't have magneto stay He's off on his own adventures, and I'm guessing if they're going to create another X-Men property, it'd be a good idea to do a Magneto standalone movie. I loved the line, and my I, my cinema reacted the biggest to um, Quicksilver saying, ah, is that going to happen to all of us when he saw Beast? <laughs> um, that, for me, was the, got the biggest laugh across the board. How'd you find the CGI? Let's get into that. I'm trying to think... I, I thought it was pretty good overall. I, I, I can't think of any standout moments where I went, oh, that's it. Because bad CGI is when you notice the, the C, CGI. So I can't think of too many moments where that happened. What about for you? The CGI I thought was all right. Uh, obviously, we saw some of it in the trailer, so we were prepared for what we were going to see. For me, the problem was the wire work. Every time kind of Beast does jumps and throws cars... And when Psylocke was doing that flip through the car, uh, you really notice that they're on wires. That's a um, great point. It, it, maybe they've gone over the top with it a little bit. I know wire work has just just gone crazy post-Matrix. Um, we're in a post-Matrix world, well in a post-Matrix world, where wire work is just so heavily used. And yeah, that moment for me, I was just thinking, yeah, okay. <laughs> it kind of takes you out of it. And I mean, you're supposed to be watching this great fight, fight sequence between... Um, uh, what's her name? 
Storm and Cyclops, uh, Psylocke takes on Beast, at the same time Nightcrawler's fighting Angel for the second time, they had that kind of fight club scene with the beginning. But all these sort of things going on, it takes you out of it if you notice the strings, so to speak. Um, yeah, that the wire work for me was kind of, it took away from the action, and people have complained about Brian Singer's action, but um, I, I haven't noticed much of it. Um, this I did notice, which was unfortunate. I did enjoy the fact that Mystique was a big hero to so many because of the events of Days of Future Past. You know, she's one of the original X-Men, she inspires all this younger generation, and that's fine. I enjoyed that stuff. But I did think, because it is Jennifer Lawrence's last outing as Mystique, you well, could really? kill she the said character. That? Yeah, yeah. No way. I, I, I was just about to say, I think she's an absolutely fantastic... Um, actress and character playing that role she just carries so much uh, charisma like she i really did believe wow people are following her and she's a very conflicted person trying to do what's good and she's kind of a rogue as well she doesn't follow orders and at the end she's really come full round you know at the end of um apocalypse yeah and i mean it's a great time to kind of martyr her for the cause if you will because if she's not coming back they should have killed her why why not have Apocalypse kill her in that moment? And he would have been that- a threat. He's just, the problem with these stupid... Uh, I, I love comic book movies, but the problem with these um, uh, movies now is just no one can die. And it just takes away so much from the drama. For a villain to be a big threat, people just have to die. Wouldn't it be great if he just strangled her and everyone went, oh my gosh, our Mystique is dead, and then everyone rallied to her? Wouldn't that have just been a really you know, big, huge moment of, uh, of the film? You're preaching to the choir here, man. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, it took away a lot of the strength of Apocalypse. Uh, the teleporting was great. I mean, Nightcrawler got to teleport them all onto the ship and then off of the ship and, you know, be a really integral part. I remember I used to play this X-Men game on um, Sega Mega Drive, and whenever we would get stuck, you would use Nightcrawler and you would literally just shift through a wall, you know? And it was the quickest way to get through this level, um, or any level, really. He was the ultimate kind of of get-out-of-jail-free card, and he was used to that effect in this film. Yeah, I just feel like I expected uh, Jean to turn into Phoenix. I expected Magneto to turn. I kept waiting for Storm to change sides too. Ultimately, unfortunately, having that kind of uh, Age of Ultron rebuilding of the X-Men, where at the end you see them all in the danger room, and... You know, Xavier is now bald Xavier, which we know from the trailer. I feel like it was just pushing the pieces to where they need to be to continue the story. Yeah, great point. Rather than be... uh like I felt like all roads should have led to this movie like a, a just a big epic showdown with a super super villain like it should have just had more meaning to the world sort of like how Magneto is like always represented that opposing view of mutants like no we are the strong ones we should be the superior um race that that sort of um ideology that he brings to the table Apocalypse does bring the idea of a deity of the mutants that maybe this guy is a god maybe he's right in his sense that we should be the ruling class they just didn't follow in the end apocalypse was this 2d madman cutout with some flimsy uh, four horsemen of the apocalypse who would turn on him at any second i felt like he should have had like an army of people like whatever happened to those zealots that were um, worshiping him you know building that whole arc like all that was just completely sidelined apocalypse was happily happy to just recruit four guys really quickly and then just all of a sudden we had this big 
big showdown with um, uh, a pack of kids that weren't really well trained to deal with um, uh, Apocalypse, yet they still managed to take him down. Like, they weren't the X-Men, really. They were just these kids who haven't really been in any combat, and they take down one of the greatest villains of all time. But it's, as you see, they become the X-Men. <laughs> and, and though Charles sees them as students and not soldiers, they become the soldiers they need to be to win the day, Lloyd. So <laughs> I, I, I sort of... I kind of didn't really love the fact that when Apocalypse was pinned there, and they did pin him, and then they all shoot at him at the same time in the ultimate kind of, if we all work together, it'll get done. They they shoot him, and Phoenix kind of obliterates him, and he sort of turns into a skeleton and sort of fades away, and it's the end. That's the, that's the end of Apocalypse. He's dead. One of the greatest you know, villains um, in, in all of X-Men just goes out like that. Yeah. And, I mean, he's almost like the Thanos of the X-Men world. I mean, he's he's sort of supposed to be this ongoing, immortal first mutant. You know, survival of the fittest, and immediately Apocalypse is not the fittest. You know, which I guess is kind of a frustrating place for Apocalypse to be. It was only okay for me, you know. I enjoyed the ride enough, but I just kept waiting for the inevitable beats that yeah, are sort of uh, in the trailer and stuff. I, I'm not one to give reviews going meh. You know, I'm I'm not like that. I'm I, I'm just really really disappointed because the casting is perfect in this film. The director they got is a supreme talent, and I'm just very disappointed with what they came up. They they just came up short. It 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 should have like I, I, maybe I'm carrying too many expectations because I love X Men, but just where Days of Future Past went, X Men Two um the uh, first class um you know and then to have apocalypse and the trailers looked incredible you know at the end of the, and to come out of the movie going oh man you know i'm just very disappointed uh well let's talk about uh wolverine and the post credit se- sequence before we wrap up for those of you who aren't going to watch it this is the post credit sequence it shows all the aftermath of wolverines uh you know fighting through the hallways escaping as weapon x and uh, it shows the, the bodies littered around. There's a cleanup crew and scooping up all the bullets and bodies. And some guys in suits come in and they basically extract these vials that uh, Weapon X's DNA, blood, if you will, and they put them in a, in a what do you call it, briefcase. They close the lid. It says Essex uh, Corporation or something, implying, I suppose, that they have Wolverine's DNA. Perhaps they have his healing ability perhaps they have his you know mutant ability or they're going to at some point uh they have something of his uh his dna well i hope he does fight another wolverine clone because you remember in x-men 2 the climactic moment where um striker's best bodyguard is that girl um yep. and then they have Lady that death strike kind of thing yeah, yeah they have that incredible fight scene where she ends up just getting, uh, I think, the metal just down her throat and she just turns into that. I, I, from memory, it's been a long time since I've seen X-Men 2, but that was one of the coolest fight scenes in the entire superhero movies I've ever seen. That was awesome. Well, I mean, you need Wolverine to fight sort of an equivalent villain. It was kind of silly in the um, the Wolverine, the, Jap- the Japanese story. Uh, we talked about that on the podcast, but we, we kind of found it silly, the villain at the end. It would be good if, I suppose, they created Sabretooth or an equivalent yeah, kind yeah, of... Yeah, bring Sabretooth in, yeah. Yeah, or an equivalent kind of Wolverine, you know, with the same abilities or even more than one person with the ability to heal. 
they don't necessarily have to fill them with adamantium but if he's stabbing people and they're healing and they keep coming you know even if they have other mutant abilities i mean it'd be um yeah, to be a, a bit of a more level playing ground. They're going um, an R rating as well for it, um, just because of the Deadpool, the phenomenal, absolutely colossal success of Deadpool. They're going more extreme with it, which I think Wolverine really does suit it. Like, it, it's not necessary for a lot of other superhero movies to go in the R rated direction, but I think Wolverine would definitely be suited for that kind of area. And Hugh Jackman has said that he's retiring Wolverine. Uh, he won't be playing Wolverine after Wolverine 3. So uh, do you think they should retire the character Lloyd? No, or he's one of the best characters in the entire... And, and Hugh Jackman is just phenomenal. Well, I've got faith in casting... Just after McAvoy and Fassbender, I've got a lot of faith in recasting these great X-Men characters um they've just done a phenomenal job with all of them like even uh the new person who plays storm i think she's great the new person from game of thrones is playing Jean gray i'm sorry i'm forgetting all these names it's just we just came out of the movies it's four in the morning i haven't done any research um uh i I think sophie turner's Jean gray yeah i I think they're all fantastic uh so i if they're gonna recast you jackman which i'm gonna be very sad um to know to see him go hang up the um hang up the claws so to speak uh, i think they're going to do a great job whoever they cast in the, in that role the great thing about that is the character of logan is you know like a hundred years old or whatever he is because of his healing factor he looks the same for a long time he's aging more slowly so if you did reboot wolverine and go in a younger direction as a young man you know he joined the army and stuff you know you could sort of do a bit more of a period piece like in the in the first uh, wolverine film it sort of implied all this backstory with this kind of montage with him and Sabretooth. so you've kind of could expand all that mythology so there'd be a lot of things you could do with it well uh that was x-men apocalypse um unfortunately didn't live up to our expectations but that's okay uh, the next one we're going to be covering on the podcast, guys, uh, we're going to be uh, journeying back and checking out Spotlight and uh, also talking about the best picture winners from uh, the previous Oscars in some depth. So um, we'll get into that. As always, you can find more from us at www.podmeifyoucan.com. And uh, we have a YouTube channel you can find the link to. A lot of videos going up every week and uh, a lot of them are obscure films with famous stars in them. So it's a good one to check out and subscribe to if you're on YouTube. But uh, until next time, Lloyd uh, and listeners, all the best. Hit it. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for listening. Please like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Go to www.podmeifyoucan.com. Pod Me If You Can. Movie Reviews.